You're listening to the Hindu Business Lines Field Notes podcast with TR Vivek. Hello and welcome to another episode of Field Notes, the weekly podcast from the Hindu Business Line on all things agribusiness. I'm your host TR Vivek. You can of course listen to us on our website www.businessline.in and also on all platforms where you get your podcasts regularly, Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. If you have uh, comments, feedback or would like us to discuss any issue in particular, do write to me at the email in the show notes. Right. Today we will be talking about the humongously hulking and extremely unwieldy post-harvest supply chain systems in India. India produces a whopping 300 million tons of food grains every year. Of that, the government's uh, various procurement systems buy about 60 to 65 million tons. but only a third of the 300 million tons manages to reach large mandis uh, like the ones in kota in rajasthan or azadpur in delhi farmers in hinterlands often find market access very difficult uh, they end up selling at low prices prices are anyway low during the procurement season when the market is flooded with uh, fresh arrivals the inability to sp- store their output and wait for the price cycle to move up eats into their uh, meager profits arya uh, an 8 year old agri startup is trying to change some of that founded by three former icici bankers arya runs a network of nearly uh, 2000 warehouses in places far removed from the big mandis uh it has become the largest private sector post harvest player with nearly a billion dollars worth of agri commodities residing in its godowns um and arya is also a financier to farmers it has so far uh, lent them close to uh, 3000 crore rupees uh today to discuss the issue we are joined by prasanna rao one of arya's co-founders and uh, he's the ceo of the company Prasanna is a graduate from the Institute of Rural Management in Anand and has previously worked at uh, ICICI Bank for nearly a decade. Welcome Prasanna. Prasanna if you can um, you know paint us a picture of uh, the post harvest uh, landscape in India and uh, what in your view is is broken there. Sure. Um in fact uh, you know in India uh, as we've seen there has been tremendous focus on the pre-harvest side of agriculture we've seen green revolution we've seen multiple uh, uh, different approaches and interventions to increase yields of farmers and till recently the focus has remained in improving yields of farmers and there has been uh, i would say limited interventions on integrating them with markets or integrating the producers the farmers with markets and that is the space which uh, we believe has many inefficiencies many disruptions uh, uh, which which are which are required to bridge those bridge those gaps now if you were to look at indian agriculture today as you rightly mentioned we produce almost close to about 300 million tons and the only visible markets two players on the demand side are the people who actually purchase these commodities mostly happen to be the more peri urban tertiary kind of centers and these are the centers where the overall ecosystem has evolved which facilitates post harvest management and the other interventions on the post harvest side but 
when you say peri urban centers uh, what would they be so these would be uh, you know centers like kota or bikaner in rajasthan or say nagpur aurangabad navi mumbai now these are bigger centers which have more evolved market yards or mandis because that is how traditionally commodities have traveled from the farm gate and that's where uh, most of the transaction visible transactions actually take place but as you also mentioned only about a third of the total produce actually gets to these bigger markets the rest is somewhere lost in the near farm gate markets due to opacity of transactions some lost due to mere food loss uh, due to um, uh, inadequate post harvest management services and storage facilities and the other associated services and that is where i think the core uh, focus uh, needs to be to ensure that some of these inefficiencies and the opacity of these transactions are addressed and also if you see post harvest management is not just about infrastructure or not just about storage facilities and other facilities required to manage the grains there are there are core interlinkages that exist on the post harvest side to enable proper management of the commodities so the the embedded need for finance is one such requirement now if we talk about india where majority of the farmers are small holders who have very little holding capacity now even if we provide them infrastructure in the form of a warehouse to you store you mean to say hold produce. by holding capacity by holding capacity you mean warehousing capacity the ability to store their products that, right. that what you mean that is right that is right so uh, what happens is that as farmers with limited uh, uh, financial uh, capacity they are forced to sell immediately after harvest and as you mentioned you know immediately after harvest the prices are at their lowest and if they sell it out at that particular price they lose out on the possible upside on commodity prices which is something which traders in bigger peri urban tertiary centers have been taking an advantage of for many many years now if that uh, prasanna is isn't, be... isn't that a punt uh, prasanna uh, sorry waiting for the price cycle to go up isn't that a bit of a punt because prices could also crash 3 uh, or 4 months after the procurement cycle yeah uh, it certainly is but the probability uh, of that fall is is only rare and exceptional if you were to look at the cycle of commodity prices across many many years in into history it follows the normal supply and demand cycle agriculture as uh, as an industry as a business is seasonal we produce the crop which is harvested over a two month period at best but is consumed over the rest of the year which means that there is there is a time for these of these two to two and a half months where there is excessive supply and which then dries out over a period of time and hence when the supply is that much higher it is bound to impact prices and the price prices are always at their lowest 
Now, there are exceptional years because of extraneous factors where you may still find uh, the prices going down after storage as well. But those are certain risks which can be handled if mines are put in together to manage those. So which is what I'll, I'll talk to you about a little later. But if you look at what traders have been doing for time immemorial is to procure at the time of harvest, store them for a period of time and then uh, sell it, sell the commodity when the prices are higher. And which is why today, if you were to look at, uh, you know, a, a linked number, which basically corroborates this behavior, is the amount of post-harvest storage-based loans against commodities that banks offer. In India today, banks offer in the range of anywhere between 45 to 50,000 crores of loans against commodities that are stored at the time of harvest. And if you go one level deeper, you'd find that more than 95 to 97% of the borrowers happen to be traders. So what are they doing? This purchasing at the time when the prices are low, storing it in a warehouse, availing of a loan from a bank so that they can meet their working capital requirements and sell it at a time when the prices are right. And when they sell it, they make a profit, which is why they do this year on year. So there may be an exceptional year every, say, five years or six years, depending on the commodity cycles. But if you were to look at and study commodity prices over any five-year window, you would find that on an average, there is always uh, uh, an upside uh, 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 to be made on, 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 on upon storage of the commodity and selling it at, the, at, at an appropriate time. Uh, so by taking the warehouse closer to the farm gate, uh, how are you helping the farmers? What are the other benefits that they get besides uh, the prospect of higher price realizations when uh, there is not a glut in the market? So there are, you know, starting from the basic thing of, uh, of avoiding food loss. Now, if you are able to store at a location closer to where you are as a farmer, you are able to store it without, say, pilferage, without losing the commodity to pests. And that is how you gain at least a, a first portion of, 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 of your commodity. On an average, as per our internal estimates, when we started out, uh, we, 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 looked at and, and studied the market, uh, especially near the farm gate. In our view, uh, on an average, a smallholder farmer had to travel more than 80 kilometers to find a warehouse to store his or her produce. And a warehouse where the other associated services could also be available to the farmer to facilitate that storage. Now, no farmer can ever afford to do that, to travel 80 kilometers or more to just store their produce. The other thing, like any other customer, all farmers or most of the farmers would want to see where their produce is stored. That is what gives them the, the confidence that their asset, the commodity is their asset, that their asset is stored properly at a place that they can themselves see and experience. And hence, it also means that 
when you help provide an app option to a farmer to store their produce at a at a location closer to where they are you are enabling them to control pilferage and loss you're enabling them to access cash flows and working capital so that they can manage their day to day requirements and the requirements for the upcoming season by availing of post harvest credit and then also ensure that they are able to sell when the prices are right so i think these are three key benefits that are and that have to be made available when you talk about democratizing the post harvest ecosystem for the indian farm and uh, how do you help them find the right buyers is that part of what uh, arya also does that's right so we work through a digital platform which is arya.ag and arya started its work by working on both the sides of the agriculture value chain when i say both sides i mean the supply side of the ecosystem which is represented by farmers and the producer community which could be producer organizations which could be some small aggregators at the farm gate and on the demand side arya worked and works with a large number of entities that are end users of of, of commodities and grains these include corporations like itc cargill glencore louis dreyfus and a lot of other such Uh, bigger corporations and we also work with a large number of uh, mid-size to large size processing units who depend on commodities as raw material to run their factories and that is the network that we leverage uh, to ensure that there is there are market linkages that are made available to the farmers and the producer organizations with whom we work um and obviously you would be charging the farmers a fee for storing their produce yes we do and that is how uh, we sustain ourselves so what we do is that we we have we have a range of ser- integrated services as i said this post harvest problem cannot be solved by standalone solutions i cannot just say that there is a warehouse they could come in and store their produce and that's how their problems are solved if they have to store they would need finance so that they can release their working capital requirements if they store take finance they would also need to sell their produce at a time when the prices are right similarly even before they decide to store they would have to aggregate the right kind of commodity which the market players accept at a time when they would want to sell so arya works at each of these levels what what do you mean when you say they have to aggregate the right kind of commodity yeah. so uh, uh, today uh, as arya we work with about say 450 to 500 farmer producer organizations now these organize each of these organizations have on an average about say a about a thousand farmer members now each of them uh, each of the farmers produce in their own fields have their differential practices and when the farmer producer organization collects these commodities from their members if they do not homogenize the commodity by virtue of uh, grading the commodity 
by virtue of ascertaining that variety wise you have been able to uh, 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 create different lots of the commodity you would not be able to sell to an end user who is requiring or who requires a specific kind of commodity so what we mean by aggregation and aggregation related services is to actually go out to the farm gate operate procurement centers on behalf of farmer producer organizations where you do quality assessment and grading of commodities whereby you create a homogeneous lot of commodities so commodities that are homogeneous in terms of basic parameters such as moisture uh, foreign matter the variety and accordingly you make marketable lots that can then be stored financed against and most importantly sold to the discerning buyer when we started out on this business one core problem that we identified at the farmer producer organizations level was that they were able to increase production and had a, 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 a an, an aggregated commodity but they were they did not have a homogeneous lot of commodities which then led to rejections by prospective buyers and that was the first intervention that arya really made when we started working with the fpos thereby providing them a service of actually doing a quality assessment at the farm gate and ensuring that homogeneous commodity was aggregated and accordingly find respective buyers for each of those aggregated commodity lots uh prasanna are farmers able to make a profit after paying you a fee of uh, 60 rupees per metric ton in 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 warehousing costs and then uh, you know they'll obviously have to borrow from a lender like you to um, uh, to tide over that period when when their produce is in the warehouse uh, can they make a profit after uh, this amount of financial outgo they do and that is why uh you know you see uh your business growing that is why you see the whole ecosystem growing uh so this is you know we have a report card that comes to us every 6 to 7 months so we we get to know of this every season because if you look at commodity prices uh at the time so what we basically saying is the temporal arbitrage in commodity prices should be such that they are able to absorb all of these costs and yet leave a room for increased income for your customer which is the farmer or the farmer producer organization so if you study that and were to remove and and reduce all these expenses you would still be left with a profit and that is why we see farmers fpos coming back year on year to take these services what would be the increase in in their income if they utilize the services of arya by how much does their income increase yeah so on an average it depends on commodity to commodity and the kind of price cycles that that exist so in a given year you may find this in the range of anywhere between 5 to 15% after all expenses now there are better years where it could be even higher 
Uh, and having said that, I would also add that there may be these exceptional years where the, the price increase uh, either doesn't happen or even if it happens, it is not, it does not cover all these costs. Now, one needs to work to ensure that these exceptional years are handled. And which is why at ARIA, what we have done is to create a price risk mitigation model specifically designed for FPOs, where FPOs who participate and work with us in these models actually have a price protection. And this is something that ARIA has co-created with Rabobank Foundation of the Netherlands, where a guarantee is provided to an FPO that has stored in a warehouse and availed of a loan. And if tomorrow, for some reason, the prices fall, then to the extent of the price fall, subject to certain conditions, the amount is actually reimbursed into the farmer's account or the, sorry, the FPO's account. So here the challenge is not that prices don't go up. There are certain exceptional years where there may be a risk and we have to find mechanisms to control those, those exception years. And that is how I think, uh, you know, Arya has really worked over, over, over the last seven odd years. And we believe that there is a viable solution which is available to make sure that these exceptional circumstances are handled uh, in, in an appropriate manner. Uh, Prasanna, there seems to be a lot of action um, in the agri-lending space. Uh, uh, one hears uh, about a new, uh, you know, agri-fintech every other day. Uh, how does the market look? Is there any real space for agri-lending, uh, given that the presence of, uh, of, of PSU banks in rural areas is so strong? And uh, with their sort of, you know, uh, uh, human linkages, you know, the relationships that farmers have with, uh, with managers or members of, of the PSU banks? Uh, I certainly feel there is. Uh, I agree that the penetration of pre-harvest credit, which is specifically the Kisan credit card and the crop loan ecosystem, uh, is certainly uh, much better in, 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 in India. But if you go down one level deeper, the scale of finance still is a challenge. Do we meet the entire requirement of the farmer? I would still say we don't. There is a gap in terms of the actual requirement of the farmer and what is the amount of loan that has been provided. At the same time, there are also challenges in terms of different policies that banks have when they address the needs of farmers with the pre-harvest credit or the KCC kind of loans, uh, which is in terms of the proof of ownership of land, uh, the kind of uh, uh, you know other documentation which is required from the farmers. In cases where we have tenant farmers, in cases where we do not have uh, you know a clear title to the land, we always find gaps and, and those numbers are not small. Uh, that's the second part. The third part is in terms of the, uh, 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 the, the, the input on specific end use of these loans. Now, while a large amount of loans are provided through the KCC route, are they reaching the right farmers? 
is one question. And second is, are there enough ways to monitor these loans? And which is where I think the, the, the role of ag fintechs on the pre-harvest side has come up. One is to open up newer avenues of lending. The second is to help in, uh, in, 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 in precisely arriving at the actual need for finance. And third is in terms of monitoring and, and uh, the end use of the loan. So this is on the pre-harvest side. The true gap, in, in my view, exists on the post-harvest side. If you look at any PSU bank on, or, or any other bank branch closer to the farm gate, you would see a very high level of awareness existing on the pre-harvest side of loans, uh, of, 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 of finance in agriculture. But the moment you talk about post-harvest side of agriculture, that is very, very thin. And that is where we see a huge gap in terms of what fintechs can actually do uh, on, 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 uh, in the field of post-harvest finance in agriculture. So in my view, fintechs are extremely relevant and they are they would be able to support traditional lenders in deepening their reach by ensuring that technology could be uh, effectively used to assess the quantum of finance and to monitor the loans and as well as monitor the end use of, of, of these facilities on one hand. And the other side is using technology to make sure that we support farmers in agriculture on the post-harvest side. And that's where I think uh, we'll be seeing more and more fintechs coming in uh, and, and, and sort of uh, supporting this ecosystem. When is the requirement for credit uh, higher in the post-harvest or the pre-harvest cycle for farmers? Uh, That's a difficult question. I think the need for finance exists. And it's just that the, the, uh, the opportunity that we can offer to a farmer by providing post harvest credit uh, is being lost today so as i said you know they they may have support in terms of pre harvest you have taken a particular loan use that for procuring inputs and accordingly you have your grain now because of their sustenance requirements and also pressure for repayment of these loans they are forced to sell immediately upon harvest so can one do without the other it can't but one without the other is only creating an efficiency and creating more distress. So in my view, it's important that both of these are, are planned and which is where our endeavor has been to see that we reinstate that balance between pre-harvest and post-harvest credit. Because at the end of the day, it's a cycle. Pre-harvest credit should ideally get extinguished by post-harvest credit and then vice versa. So it's a cycle that should operate, which ensures the best returns for the growers and the farmers. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we are here talking about uh, uh, the grain procurement system. Um, uh, Can Arya help in terms of uh, horticulture too, uh, where we hear instances of uh, wastage and farmer distress a lot more? 
at this moment we only operate on the non perishable commodities that is more of the grains and and oil seeds and um, uh, the, the hardy commodities and not on the uh, on the on the hot horticulture and fruits and vegetables space uh, but what we are seeing is that there are significant innovations that are happening which can support that part as well and which is where we are very very excited about uh, the new age agritech companies that are coming up to support in creating market linkages even for uh, the, the 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 horticulture and fresh produce uh, thank you prasanna thanks for joining us on field notes today thank you so much vivek thanks for having me over until we meet next week goodbye and god bless